Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. So um, great to be with you. I love this series we're in called Devoted, um, and it's challenging me as I prepare for it. Um, and uh, I feel like preaching last week's sermon again because I really enjoyed that myself. I really got, got a lot out of it myself and was quite challenged. Uh, before I do, though, I just want to say thank you so much to the people who have sponsored our youth internship program. Thank you so much for people who have uh, sponsored that. It's an out-of-budget thing for our youth interns, and it's all, all been covered now for this year through generous donations. So thank you for being a generous church. Hey, that's one of our values here that we'd be generous, yeah? Generous not just with money, but generous with love and generous with time, generous with our lives. And there are so many people here that just serve, serve and serve. So bless you, especially the worship team. Get here, it's so early in the morning. It's great that they drive past my house now because they can wake me up on the way. All right, okay, we're going over there. Seven o'clock, let's get ready. So thank you, worship team, uh, today. Hey, uh, I wonder though, when you go to a church, have you ever thought about if you were trying to, to, to find a church, what you would look for uh, in a church? If you were, would you look for, would you say, well, does the, does the pastor's jeans skinny enough in this church? Does he wear them skinny, cool jeans? Or does, does, the, you know, does the worship team look right? Is the music right? Uh, is, the, is the barista coffee good enough? What sort of things would you look for when you were trying to say, hey, I want to belong to a church? Uh, what, I wonder what it would be the kids' ministry, you know, that my kids have have a good time or I wonder what it would be because uh, you know there are certain things that you can look at that you can see when a church is healthy and that's what this series is actually all about is about a healthy church because you can tell a healthy church by the things that they are devoted to and you can tell a healthy Christian by the things that Christian is devoted to. And so we've been looking in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, when the church was born, going back in time, looking at the first church, the day of Pentecost, the church was born in power, and it says um, in my first scripture there, which this is sort of the theme of this series, it says, and with many, in verse 40 of chapter 2, and with many other words, that's Peter preaching, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Those words could never be truer than today, today. Be saved from this generation we're in, this crazy generation, this generation where we are in the end times, where people are calling what is wrong, right, and what is right, wrong. And that is the general, you know, there could never be a true word spoken that you want to be safe. You want to make sure that you're not just going off with the way of the world, as they say, to hell in a handbasket, but you are a different person. You are a believer because you're devoted to things that are different than this crazy world we live in. And Peter's saying, hey, get ready, the end times are here. Then he says this, um, those who gladly received his word were baptised. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued, or they devoted themselves, uh, NIV, they continued steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And I would submit to you this morning that there are four things there that are vital signs, if you were to feel the pulse of a believer, feel the pulse of a church, that if they're devoted to the, to the apostles' doctrine, to the breaking of bread, to, to fellowship, and what fellowship really means, we'll get into that in a couple of weeks, but fellowship is not being in a room together, by the way. Fellowship is a much deeper... Um, And to prayer, these are some things and some other things that are signs of a healthy church. It says later on, um, a few verses down, it says, The Lord added to their number 
daily those who were moving from other churches. Now it doesn't say, the, the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. Now I'm all for people coming to Kalamana from whatever church because I believe in my heart there is a hunger and an appetite for a healthy church in this generation. Come on, a church that's healthy, not perfect. Because the moment you walk in, it's not perfect anymore. So we will never be a perfect church, but my heart, and if I could share my heart as a pastor, is a healthy church. That means that my life, I, you know, I need to be a healthy believer, that our staff, our leaders, our pastors are, are healthy because healthy things grow. They grow. And it's not, the growth is not the goal. Health is the goal. To be healthy is our goal, to be functioning, because when a healthy body is healthy and it's, and it's got the right things to it, it will grow and, it's a, and there are signs when it doesn't that it's not healthy. And so one of the health signs is that you are devoted to the apostles' teaching. And that sounds sort of like Christianese, like what the heck? What is the apostles' teaching? I'm glad you asked. The apostles' teaching, you know, when Jesus came, and he appointed his apostles, the 12 apostles, and uh, we'll get into that in another sermon, apostles. But um, his followers that would be with him, that would be close to him, and he shared his teachings. The apostles' teachings is what Jesus passed on to them in the Gospels about who Jesus is. Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection. But more than that, his teachings. So when you read the apostles' teachings, I would submit to you, you can say they were devoted to God's Word. They were devoted to Jesus' teachings, to the Word of God. There was a devotion about their life that what is, was important to them. And I want to say to you, a healthy church is a church that is not devoted to Women's Weekly, not devoted to the West Australian, not devoted to the paper, not devoted to social media, but we are devoted to the Word of God. That is a healthy sign. And I'm going to share with you in the next few moments what that actually means because it's more than just knowing it in our head. Amen? But we are devoted here at Kalamunda. I hope that every week, see, when I've, whenever I prepare a sermon, I'm thinking, what is the Word of God saying in this sermon? Because I know that I could tell you a funny story that you may remember, but if you can get the Word of God, it will change your life. That is the thing. It changes lives. The Word of God has changed my life as so much and it needs to continue to change my life because Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so devotion to the apostles' teaching is simply devoted to the Word of God. Let's go. Why is this important? Number one, well, in the next slide, Romans 10, verse 17 Yes, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's important for faith. Your faith is fueled by the Word of God. Uh, your, your, the Word of God helps come alive the faith that is already in you because of what's in your spirit. If you're here in January, you have all the faith you need in your spirit. Uh, my key verse this morning is probably this one, Hebrews 4.2. Um, Speaking, uh, it says this, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as, as, as it was to them, as well as to them. But listen to this, But the word which they heard did not profit them. Now this is talking about back in the Old Testament. They, 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 didn't, the word, they heard the word, but it did not profit them. Number, point number one, the word of God will profit your life. It will. The word of God is actually, the word of God is for the people of God. 
to make the people of God learn how to win in life. Now, it doesn't mean life's easy and there's no challenges, but it is meant to make your life not easier, better. There is a difference between easier and better. I would rather be in my toughest day with Jesus and the Word of God than in my best day on the beach with a beer without Him. Amen? Because it's the Word of God. It might make your life easier, but it, life is better with Jesus. If you don't believe that, you haven't met Him. It's so true. It says, it, but they heard it, but it did not profit them. So there is a tension that sometimes the Word of God will make no difference to your life. And this is what it's, the reason why. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Not being mixed in faith. The Word of God, if it's not mixed with faith, it will not profit your life. Just knowing it is not enough. The Word of God is so powerful. Uh, a few things that one preacher said I heard, he said, the Word of God is like a sword. It goes out and it kills and it conquers and, and it will destroy the enemy's attacks. The, the Word of God is like a scalpel. It'll go in and do surgery. It'll take out cancerous thoughts and mindsets and things and, 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 and things in your life and it will, will, will do surgery. Uh, another said it's like a, a salve, you know, a healing balm. It's, you know, the Bible says the Word of God can be healing unto all your flesh. So the Word of God is a, is, is a salve. It is also a seed. The Word of God is a seed. In other words, this Word can make, bring fruitfulness to your life. You know, when a seed is planted in soil, you cannot make the seed any more powerful than it already is. Inside of the seed is all the power. You don't need to pray over the seed. You don't need to say, please, seed. You don't need to do anything to the seed. All you need to do is make sure the soil is right for the seed. You need to make sure weeds don't get in there. You need to pull the weeds out. You need to make sure that the soil is watered and the seed will grow. Hey, you cannot make this word any more powerful than it already is. You don't have to work it up. If you get the Word of God like a seed in your life, it will bear fruit if you look after your heart's soil. The Word of God is like a fountain. It will quench the thirst. The Word of God is like a light. It shows direction. The Word of God is like a mirror. It reveals truth about us. It shows us about God and about ourselves. The Word of God is like a compass. It will give you direction and set a lost person on the right path. The Word of God, the Bible calls it water. It is like water. It is like meat. It is like milk. And it is like honey. The Word of God is a full course meal for your life. So what I want to say this morning is that, well, if that is all true, Brad, how do I get that Word of God be devoted to the Apostles' teaching? What do I got to do to see it profit my life? I'm glad you are. So here you go. You ready? Here's a few key things that you've got to do. And this is going to sound really elementary when I start. And you're going to go, is this guy serious? Oh, I came to church for this. But this is actually powerful. I, I like the saying, it's profoundly simple, but it's simply profound. Often it's the simple things, yeah? So number one, the first thing to make the Word of God profit in your life, here it is, this, ready? Newsflash. Yeah, read it. Somebody has already checked my notes. you actually got to read the Word of God. It sounds simple, but hear me out. The Bible says in John 8, Jesus said, abide in my Word. He said, if you abide in my Word, then you are my disciples. And hey, this is the year to go from not just being a believer, but being a disciple, yeah? So to abide means to remain in, to stay in, to, to stay there. Abide is a great word to think about. Being, when you're devoted to God's Word, it's more than reading. It's, it's abiding in God's Word. Um, I love how it says here, when we do, and you shall know the truth when you abide in it, there'll be a, 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 a uh, supernatural knowledge from God, and that truth will set you free. 
The truth here we really need to know is that the only, it's only the truth we know that sets us free. Now, it's not the truth we read, it's the truth we know. And in the Bible, the word know is very intimate. It says that Adam knew Eve and they gave birth, they, they conceived. That's the type of knowing God's talking about here, that you know his word in such an intimate way, like a seed that will conceive and it will give birth to fruit in your life. That's the truth. When you know that truth like that, and good news here, you don't need to try and go to university to do that. You don't need to get a degree. The Holy Spirit can do that for you when you abide in his word. When you stay in his word, he will set you free. Therefore, I want to say to you, any area of your life right now that is not free, any area of your life that is in bondage, does, does not have a revelation of God's truth. So the good news is, any area of your life that is not free is a candidate for an upgrade this morning. You can upgrade to freedom this morning if the truth of God's word can go to that area of your life and you can know it and you can be free. It could be an area in relationships. It could be an area in habits. It could be an area in your business. It could be an area in your family. It could be anything. And if the truth of God can bring revelation to you, it'll bring freedom to your life. If you say, man, this area of my life, I'm just not experiencing freedom. You need the word of God. It's not just about reading, but reading is definitely the starting place. Amen. Like, like reading or listening, you say, I'm not a reader. That's okay. The, this book is not like a normal book. It's not like reading a normal book. It's not, not reading for information. It's reading for relationship. This is what the psalmist said in Psalms 119. It says this, how can a young man, I'm going to just say any age man, how can any age man, how can a young man cleanse his way or how can my way be pure? How can it be focused? How can it be devoted? Because that's what purity is. It's focused, devoted. Uh, it says this, by taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commands. And then he says this, I love this. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart. You know, this book will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from this book. It's so true. The more that you are in the Word of God, the more sin is not tempting, the more that sin is not attractive because what is attractive is being devoted to the will of God and the ways of God because His Word is just like food to your soul. It's not about reading. Notice what the psalmist says. What does it say? By taking reading, read. No, it says heed, by heeding. So you need to move from just reading to heeding. The word heed is to be attentive. Um, it's described in a commentary as a pilot uh, or, or somebody steering a, a ship or an aeroplane and it's in a storm and there's rocks and he is looking around, he is alert, he is, what is he doing? He's taking heed. His eyes and all of his, all of his faculties are focused and devoted. It, someone said it's like a sentinel or, or a, um, a, a, an army person walking around uh, knowing that the enemy is at hand, is coming. So he's looking and he's, he's watching and he's got this awareness and he's looking to see. You know that saying, eyes that see. It's not just reading the Bible, it's heeding the Bible. Amen? And it's actually looking, hey, what is God saying to me in this? Lord, what do you want? What do you want me? That is, what do you want me to get from this, Lord? It is heeding God's word, heeding his word. I like to say we go from reading to heeding, but we need to get a lifestyle of feeding. 
Because God's word is food for us. It, to abide to, is to know it's our spiritual food. You know, one thing's for sure. I never, ever feel guilty anymore. I used to when I was younger and uh, especially in ministry. And if I hadn't read my Bible, if I wasn't keeping my, my daily reading, I used to feel guilty. So I would just give up. I'm not going to read anymore. I miss my daily reading. I never feel guilty anymore if, I don't, if, I'm, if I've lost a bit of reading time. You know what I feel? Hungry. Because it's food for my soul. It's not a religious duty. It's a relational delight. It is actually feeding. I know I need His Word. Imagine. I mean, there are times in my life where sometimes, you, and I'm sure for you, where you're just running out the door, you don't have time to sit down, get all the kids around, sit at the table, light the candles, get it all ready, and we're going to have a three-course meal and enjoy it. That does never happen in the morning anyway at my house. But sometimes you just got to grab an apple and run. And you're just going to eat on that apple. Sometimes in life, you just got to grab a verse and get on with your day and chew on that verse. And don't feel guilty about that. But there will come a time where, hey, hey, guys, we need to sit down and have a meal. You know, we need to stop now. And we need to feed. And we need to take time. And there are times in God's Word regularly, and that should be a regular thing, but I'm not here. I'm not, never going to be that pastor that puts you on and say, are you doing it every day? Is this what you're doing? Have you, got your, have you done the Bible version app? I mean, I've, I've started that so many times, and then I miss a few days. Imagine if I, st- I went, went to Sky and I said, look, I forgot to have breakfast. I'm giving up eating altogether. <laughs> not doing it. It doesn't work. That would be ridiculous. And some people go, I miss my daily Bible. I'm not going to do it anymore. It's food for your soul. So it's food for your soul. And you're devoted to it. And I believe in reading plans, by the way. Don't you? I, I, I love people that are organised and, and I wish I was you. And, uh, and, and read and, and have a plan. I think that's wonderful. But I, I, my soul and my spirit knows I need to be feeding on God's word and I will starve without it. So Sunday is your sit-down meal. And I'm committed to be committed to you as a pastor here that I want to be able to give you the best food that you can get, amen? Because it's not my food, it's God's food. I am simply the delivery boy. But I want to be a great delivery boy that you feel like you're feeding on the Word of God. But hey, you can't live off Sunday. We need to be devoted to the Apostles' Doctrine. Read it, read it. The second thing is not just to read it, but to believe it. To believe it. Believe it, years ago, I've told this story, I won't go through the whole story, but when I went through a very dark time about 12 years ago and had a very bad burnout, I, was met, I, I, I knew the scripture in Isaiah 26.3 that says, He will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed on you. And I was going through anxiety attack after anxiety attack. I was having panic attack. I don't know what attack. I mean, I don't even think there's a name for it. I went through. And I was like uh, nearly hospitalised and I was not in a good place. I was, but I ran out because they were crazy there. And I thought, I don't want to be with crazy people. I'm going all right myself. And I ran out. Anyway, and I remember going to the Lord in prayer and I had to take some time out of work to get my health right. And I said, Lord, you will keep in perfect peace. He is he, he whose mind is stayed on you. I don't have perfect peace right now. I have perfect anxiety, in fact. I don't have perfect peace. Well, what do you do when your world and the word don't match? Do you go, well, the word's not true. God spoke to me very clearly in my heart. When God speaks to me, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I hope I do one day, although maybe that'll kill me or freak me out. But he speaks in my heart. And he said in my heart, he said, Brad, you know the word, you don't believe the word. 
And there is a difference. There is a difference. We can recite scripture, you can preach sermons, do all sorts of things, but do you believe it in your heart? He says, you know I'll keep you in perfect peace, but you don't believe it. You're more focused on your feelings, you're more focused on your carnal senses, what you see, feel, taste. Your word is not dominating your, my word is not dominating your life and your believing is on that. I hope that makes sense. But I just remember thinking, man, I've got to believe it. So I started to meditate on it more, speak it more, do everything I needed to do to mix it with faith. And here I want to give you the good news is that you have been gifted, catch this now, because this really caught me, catch this, you have been gifted the spiritual ability to believe God's Word. That's really important. You have been gifted the spiritual ability to believe God's word in Romans 12, 3b, it says, God has dealt to every man in the King James Version, excuse me, King James Version, catches the measure of faith. Other versions may say a measure of faith. God has dealt each person the measure of faith. See, we don't have a faith believing problem. We have a renewing of our mind problem. Our problem is not with our faith. You will never have a faith problem because in your spirit is all the faith you need. When you got saved, God didn't say, well, I'll give that person 100% faith and I'll give that person 50%. I'll give him some big, some little. No, no, God gave to each man the measure of faith. You have the ability to believe the problem that we have is in our minds, is in our thinking that we have not renewed our minds to what it means to use and release what we have. Does that make sense? God wants us to release the faith, the same kind of faith that God has, which enables us to believe. Paul in Galatians 2.20 said it this way, that he lives by the faith of the Son of God. He lives by that kind of faith that has been given to him when we are born again in our spirits. Our problem is not believing God's word. It's that we, our mind is so filled with the things of the world. We're not renewing it according to God's word. And uh, it's a little bit like, imagine if I, imagine if I was to, uh, thinking of doing an illustration here. Sky's shaking her head, don't use me, she says. <laughs> I can't actually bring the mic down there, can I? I can? All right. All right, here's my Bible. Imagine James, I'm going to give you my Bible. You don't have to do anything, you just have to sit there. James, I just want you to have my Bible for now. King James. <laughs> now imagine if I give James my Bible... And then I get a phone call tomorrow morning at 9.30 and James goes, hey, Brad, can I have your Bible? And I'm like, mate, I've already given you my Bible. And then he rings me the next day and he says, Brad, please, I'm begging you, would you please let me have your Bible? And I'm like, James, I gave you my Bible on Sunday, like I gave it to you. And you're thinking, this just sounds stupid, Brad. But in church, in, with our relationship with God, we often, God's given us everything we need and then we're praying prayers like, God, would you give me peace in this situation? God, would you give me joy? I need joy right now. I'm struggling. God, would you give me provision? He's looking down and going, you know what? I've already given you everything you need, every spiritual blessing. You already have it. The problem is not that you don't have it. The problem is you don't know how to release what you already have. That is the problem. And the problem is not in our spirit. It's in our souls, in renewing our mind according to what we already have. If you knew what you already had and you were reading the Word of God and you were believing the Word of God, everything you need, Everything for life and godliness, the Bible promises, is yours. So we need to really change the way we pray. It's not that we pray wrong and God knows our hearts and I'm not trying to change our prayers. But we, we, you know, there is more effective ways to pray when you pray knowing what you already have. And God's not going, gee, how, 
have you read? Have you believed what I've already given you? And, uh, and so it's like, oh, I can release that. I already have it. No matter what you see, hear, or feel, you've already got it. The power of God's word, the truth, always supersedes the facts. God, I feel anxious, but the truth is I have perfect peace. And you know, as I just really got into that, that season of my life, I was like, man, the word of God is living and active, Hebrews says. It's living and active, so it can produce that active life on the inside of you and start to dominate your thinking and changes everything. Amen? Amen. Not only do we need to read it, I hope you get a hunger for it uh, and believe it. I hope you've got, you can see that God's given you the faith to believe it, that this is your truth. This is the truth. This is the truth of God. But also we need to declare it or speak it. Uh, say it. It says in uh, the Bible that when you become a Christian, the way you come to know Jesus is when you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You confess with your mouth. And then I love what Corinthians 4.13 says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, what I was just talking about, we have. We don't get it. It's not we're trying to get it. You have it. Past tense. You have the same spirit of faith. And what does a spirit of faith on the inside of you do? According to what is written, I have believed and there I spoke. Therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore, catch it, speak. Believing accompanied with speaking is how you release the faith that God has already given you. Just believing and being silent. Well, the Bible says, I know God can save somebody who, is, who cannot speak. He can do that. But the Bible says if you've got a tongue and you confess Jesus as Lord, that happens. Because things happen, things that powerfully happen when you verbalise things. To be devoted to God's word is to declare it, to speak it out loud. Like, it's like when I do weddings, the actual official part of the ceremony where they are legally joined together is in my hearing as somebody ordained to be able to do that. When I hear them speak the words, I do. And says power, that verbal thing that happens, you know, things happen when they do that in the atmosphere. They are joined, they are connected. And there's an amazing thing, like in the beginning when Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says that God said, let there be light and there was light. God was setting us up as image bearers of him, as kids of God, that there is creative power in the word of God. When you declare what God says, you are creating an atmosphere for God to reveal, to do, to manifest His, his will and His ways, God's Word. I mean, could, he is, um, could you imagine if I come to church this morning before everyone? I never beat Tim Phipps, by the way. He's always here earlier. But imagine if I did one week. And the lights are all off and it's all dark. And I get here and I grab my phone and I ring up Western Power. And I say, Western Power, it's Brad Patterson from Kalamunda Church of Christ. We have, a, we have a big problem down here, mate. We've got a church service happening in about one hour, a couple of hours. And, mate, we have no lights on. And they're like, oh, well, we've, we, we can't really help you. So why can't you help me? And they go, well, we've actually supplied you guys with all the power that you need. I mean, you could light up a whole disco in that place. In fact, I've heard that you do on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, that young adult service and the smoke, where you could run everything. Have you flicked the switch on? I'm like, oh, I've got to flick the switch. It sounds stupid, but you need to know that God has done everything and provided you with everything you need, but speaking it is flicking the switch. When you speak it, you flick the switch. 
and so many people don't have the audacity to say or, or just, just, just get some guts and say, I'm going to start speaking God's Word. I'm going to flick the switch. Come on, I'm going to flick the switch in what He says. He says that He shall provide all my needs according to His riches in glory. My bank account does not say that, but God says it. So I flick the switch. Thank you, Lord. You're my provider. You're my source. This relationship is going terrible, but I thank you, God, that I'm trusting you with this and I believe that you're going to bring reconciliation in, in my marriage, in my workplace, whatever it looks like, and you start flicking the switch every day. You turn, and when you speak God's word, light comes on. It brings light because he doesn't need to do anything else. God is not going to come down and do the stuff that he's already done. He doesn't need to go to the cross again and die again and take your sin again for you to, for you to be forgiven. So even praying for forgiveness, I'm going to be careful how I say this, but you are already forgiven for tomorrow. You're already forgiven for next week. And it's a wonderful place to live in that reality because it doesn't give license to sinning, it gives license to freedom. Because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus right now. And He loves you. And guess what? So much of the churches and my experience is that, man, I've just got to, I wish God loves me more this week because I'm having a great week. It's not true. God loves never change. It is unconditional. And it might sound, we've said it so much, but it's so true to understand that when His love is unconditional to you, it changes how you treat people. And we want to have that in Calamunda, amen? That this love is unconditional. doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. God loves you. Amen. Speaking God's word, flick the switch. It says in Mark 11, verse 22, So Jesus answered them and said, Well, before this, though, Jesus had spoken to a fig tree. He cursed the fig tree, remember? He cursed this fig tree. He walked past and it wasn't bearing fruit and he, he cursed it. Anyway, the next day they walk back and they see the fig tree and it's, it, it's um, withered up from the roots, which is really important. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, Now watch how many times in this Two verses, how many times it says the word says, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Three times it says, if you've got a mountain in your life, anybody got a mountain right now? That's great. If you've got a mountain, you, if you've got a mouth, then you're all right. All you need for a mountain is a mouth and to be a believer. Because he says, if you speak to this, but he says it three times, whoever says, speak, speak, speak. There is power because when Jesus spoke to that fig tree, they walked past and nothing happened. It was still there. But the next day it was withered up because when you speak the Word of God, it might not change your circumstances straight away because it doesn't speak to the fruit. It speaks to the root. It speaks to what's really going on. So when I say, by your stripes, I am healed. When I say and I pray over somebody who's sick, I love praying for people who are sick because I'm not looking at their sickness. That's the fruit. I'm looking at the root is that by his stripes, you were healed. Past tense, it says in Peter. And it says that I believe that you are healed. Your spirit is perfectly perfect right now. So I just believe for that healing and I speak healed over you. Oh yeah, but I don't feel healed. That's okay. That's all right. I'm not talking about the fruit. I'm speaking to the root. When there's that, that, that unforgiveness or whatever it looks like, it's speaking God's word out loud will actually impact the root. But so often because we don't see fruit, we give up and we go, it doesn't work. God's word doesn't work. I tell you what, God has done everything. His word will always, it's a seed that is so potent and so powerful, it will always, always work. Uh, no matter what we see, feel or think. 
Are you with me? Because I'm about to close as the worship team come back up uh, in a moment. Last point, promise. Um, we flick on the switch when we are devoted to God's word. We, we, you know, I hope you've got an appetite to read it. I hope, I hope you realise you've got the faith to believe it. You're like, oh, I struggle to believe it. Well, you, you can. You really can. God's given it by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's good news. Uh, to speak it out loud will help you activate God's devotion to God's word in your life. And lastly is to act on it. You know, to actually be a doer of the word. Remember James says that? Don't just be hearers only, but be doers. And James also says, faith without works is dead. What good is it if you've got faith, but it doesn't do anything? Now, to catch this really, really clearly is that we don't work for faith because it's a free gift from God, our salvation. We work from faith. Faith, when you've really got, will work. It will work itself out. We will work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Notice that. So it says here in my last scripture, uh, to, put, to put out the Word of God in action, Jesus said this in the finishing of uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Famous scripture. I love it. It says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and... Someone say it for me. Does them. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and quotes them, no. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and memorises them, no. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and teaches them. See, I'm, I'm no more spiritual than you up here because I'm doing a message or teaching. I really aren't. Real spirituality will be shown in what I do in my life and what you do in your life. So I take this very seriously, but also very lightly because it's about doing the Word of God. Does that make sense? It says, whoever hears these sayings one does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall. It was founded on rock. They knew where to build that house. But catch this. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. You should take time this week. Quick challenge. Go back and read all of Matthew 7 and 6 and see what the sayings of Jesus are because that's the apostles. That's our doctrine. It says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Two builders, two people building the same thing. Two people building the same thing encountered the same opposition. Exact same storm came on both of them. The only difference was one builder built on rock. And what does that represent? Jesus is saying, one person did my word. He was a doer of the word. He obeyed me. He loved me, my commands. He obeyed my commands. And as he did them, his life was solid. So a couple of closing thoughts to challenge you with. Action is what gives you a rock-like foundation when you act on the word of God and do it. When God prompts you and you do it, your foundation is secure. Another thought is that all of us are building a life right now. All of us are building a life. Can I ask you, can I challenge you, what are you building on? Are you building on the words of Jesus? And what I mean by that is, are you taking action and doing them? Another thought is that a storm is not um, a question. A storm is inevitable. Storms are coming. Storms are not like maybe, it's not if, it's when. And if you haven't had one yet, get ready. Because storms come to every single person. I've got a little pro Brad's proverb. I'm speaking at a church later tonight. I guess speaking, I'm sharing on this proverb called, He who breathes will have battles. Happens to all of us. 
Storms are coming. So the question, the next thing is, don't wait for the storm to start building. Now is the time to build. I like it when my life is going what I call reasonably well, when the bills are paid, happy wife, happy life, the kids are happy. I, li- I like them times because often I, with what we've been through in our journey, I'm often going, man, this is the time to build up. This is the time to pray more. This is the time not to slack off because I know when storms hit, they have the ability to smash me. And I want to be so centered on God's Word that I'm standing when the storm hits. Doesn't mean I won't get knocked over. Doesn't mean I won't be human. Doesn't mean I won't fall, but I'll come back to this and this will be the rock on which I stand. Build your foundation now. Build your foundation now. We need to read it, believe it, declare it and act on it. So I'm going to pray for us this morning. I've given us some things to chew on spiritually, hopefully. But you know, that's how you become a Christian. And if you're here this morning and you're not following Jesus, this is your opportunity every Sunday to say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. What does, this, what does it mean today as we've celebrated communion to have your sins forgiven and to know life and forgiveness? That is the first step. And it starts with believing and speaking. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. What that really means when you call Him Lord is that you're saying, man, The way I'm living has been junk. I'm a sinner. I'm dark. Because really, that is the state of the human condition without Jesus. We are so lost. And today you can turn to Him. Say, Jesus, I just want that free gift of forgiveness. So would you stand with me if that's okay? I'm going to pray a blessing over us if you're comfortable to close your eyes. But as I was preparing this message, I felt to pray a, a prayer that God prompted on my heart a couple of weeks ago to pray over us for for a healthy church, for a fresh appetite for His Word. You know, if you have a baby and it's got no appetite, if if it's a child and it does not eat, it's a sign of sickness. And maybe today for you, the lights have come on and you're like, gee, I see why I'm spiritually sick. I am starving. I have not been feeding, reading, heeding. I'm in need of God's Word. Hey, I want to be that church where you can say that, where you can just say, oh, I, need, I need help with this. Would you help me read the Word of God? I'd love to talk with you about that. I'd love our leaders to help you. Or might, if you're going well, to help one another. Later this, sorry, later this term, we'll be talking about kicking into connect groups, places where you can maybe get fed and feed on some of the Word of God. But my heart and my desire is that we would know how to open up our own fridge and eat the food that God has given us. And that's a journey, but we're all on it, eh? And I want to pray for us on that. So Father, right now, thank you for every person in this room. And I just speak a fresh appetite for the living Word of God. Lord, where there is sickness, where there is spiritual starvation, I pray healing right now in the name of Jesus. I pray nourishment. I pray that this sermon this morning, your words have been like nourishment to their soul. It has filled them up. It has refreshed them. It has quenched their thirst. It has given them a fresh start this morning, an appetite for your Word, Lord. I pray for a greater hunger for your Word. I pray for, no, I speak against condemnation and guilt. And I speak the life of God, that in His Word would be food to your soul. Father, I just pray over every person, Lord. You bless them with that fresh hunger this morning. Father, we love you so much. Father, I pray for any person here that doesn't know you this morning. They will turn to someone they know and say, Hey, would you? I, I want to I pray to get right with God. They'll do that before they leave. 
Father, we bless you. We bless this house. We pray that this church would always be a place that is devoted to the life-changing Word of God. And everyone said, Amen.